Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 17, Why Not Ask Why? I am broadcasting live, well, live for me from the Power of Change headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. Well, my good friend and co-host, Jesse Fury. Jesse Fury. He's not in studio today with me, so I cannot, I cannot, Jesse, comment on the tank top or your baseball hat on backward skills. Uh, Jesse's out upholding his global duties with the Bonhoeffer House. Jesse is uh, out in Canada actually visiting some friends, Craig and Zoe Robinson, who are church planners in Canmore, Canada. Beautiful town in the Canadian Rockies, so I'm guessing, Jesse, you are in a better place. They're out there gathering a team, uh, Craig and Zoe, for church planting there in her hometown in Canada, and we wish them well. If you don't, haven't heard, the, the Bonhoeffer House is uh, committed to excellence in several things. Theological formation through meaningful apprenticing relationships and a shared life together under the Word of God in the midst of the local church. Their aim, the Bonhoeffer House, is through partnerships with churches and seminaries to work together to train the next generation. I love the work Jesse is doing. Well, our our main topic today that I'm going to get to in a few minutes is simply called Why Ask Why? I've always found that the interesting questions in life are the why questions. Anybody else out there? Shout out to the ah, the why ask questioners out there in undergrounder land. Well, the whys of life are very important because they kind of undergird. Like, why are we here? What are we doing? The whys always come before the what. Whether consciously or subconsciously, why we do what we do or why we believe what we believe. What do we believe at all? Questions matter greatly. But before we get to our main topic, I simply wanted to go into our ruts and butts uh, segment. Uh, Ruts and butts here on the underground is simple. Ridiculous things under the sun and beautiful things under the sun. Uh, This phrase, under the sun, is from the Old Testament wisdom literature, the book of Ecclesiastes, where under the sun simply describes life in the here and now as it is here on planet Earth, under the sun. There are ridiculous things, and there are beautiful things. Well, I've always been a big fan of comedy. I love comedians. I certainly enjoy laughing. I kind of do some comedy in my home every now and then, and certainly uh, come across from time to time some really, really funny people. So today, uh, that will encompass both ridiculous and beautiful things, is the social media comedian Kev on stage. If you want to find him on the gram, Facebook, YouTubes, uh, he is at Kev, K-E-V, on, O-N, stage, S-T-A-G-E. Kev on stage. Well, I came across Kev on stage years ago, but just recently started sharing some of his videos with my children. And I tell you what, he calls out some ridiculous things like putting blueberries in macaroni and cheese, but he also calls out beautiful things under the sun like laughter and marriage. He reps for his wife regularly on his social media class. And so they have a tour also called uh, Real Comedians of Social Media, which looks fantastic. So I've had lots of good laughs at Kev on stage going off on ridiculous things like putting raisins in collard greens. Shouldn't do it. And certainly working out, he's got a video on there where a guy's doing squats while a guy kung fu kicks him in the stomach. (laughs) And he said, you do not have to be that strong. Anyway, that's our Ruts and Butts segment today. On to our main topic, why not ask why? Well, when I was a college student, 
uh, at the University of North Carolina. I was in a physics degree at the time. I eventually switched majors into applied computer science, took a minor in physics. But I, I was in this degree where we're asking questions a lot, right? Trying to learn about the universe, trying to learn about uh, the re uh, ultimate reality through physics and things like that. Obviously, a very narrow investigation of human affairs because if you're only looking at physics, you miss a lot of things like uh, mathematics and logic, uh, ethics, morality, love, things that are very human. But I always had a little bit of a questioner in me. And when I became a Christian, I was... Uh, into my freshman year of college and really started to actually know what that meant a little bit in my sophomore year of college, I kept running into uh, different friends who grew up around the Christian faith who were literally told not to ask questions uh, and to just have faith. So, hey, I got questions about this or that in the faith, or I got questions about this. Maybe you go ask a youth pastor, and the, and the response is, hey, don't ask questions, just have faith. Well, to, to that kind of thing, I would say, well, faith in what? Faith in who? Why faith in that person or, or another person? Why not some other one making religious claims? The why questions seemed to emerge very quickly when I became a Christian. I wanted to understand the faith that obviously the, the Lord, the creator of the universe, had gripped my heart. There was something spiritually, existentially happening to me that I was very aware of. Uh, I was, it was clear uh, when I heard a simple presentation of the good news of Jesus Christ that God grabbed a hold of me. And that meant that I had many questions that needed to be uh, answered, needed to be um, built out so I, I could build a good foundation, as it were, for my faith. And so my questions were not going away. So I began to ask them of anybody and everyone who I could talk to who knew more than me about the Bible, about who Jesus was, about how to integrate certain things that I was interested in, like science, technology, uh, and the faith once for all given to God's people. And so I learned pretty quickly that there, are, there was this massive, I mean, and I mean massive, hundreds of years of intellectual tradition undergirding the Christian faith. I mean, some of the most robust thinking uh, that went on early in, in, the, in the history of followers of Jesus uh, in, in the North African uh, churches that uh, theologians like Augustine of Hippo, I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm down with everything Augustine believed, but there was this wonderful philosophical, even natural philosophy, uh, theological reasoning going on in the church. And so uh, one of the things that we must be sure of is that we don't rob ourselves of some of the beautiful traditions and thinking that have uh, from those who have gone before us. Even the, uh, the invention, right, of many of our technological scientific ways of thinking came out of people, uh, people of faith looking at God's world, expecting to, to find a world that was rationally organized, understandable, so that our minds might comprehend what God has done in creating the world. In fact, uh, Nancy Percy, and, uh, in her book she co-authored with Charles Thaxton, um, looked at a wonderful uh, seedbed of science that came from Christians asking good questions about the world that God had made and placed us in. And so uh, faith and questions need not to be at odds with each other. In fact, by getting good answer, I believe we can build sturdy faith in a world filled with chaos and doubt. Many times when we have questions, we get concerned like, hey, I'm supposed to have faith. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be doubting my faith. Well, there's different kinds of doubts and different types of questions. 
Uh, not all questions are asked with the same posture from human beings. Uh, you can ask questions, even of God. We see it in the Bible, right? In the book of Habakkuk, we see the, the prophet. How long, God? How long is it, do I have to look at this violence around me that was going on in his world? There are people that ask questions of God, but how do we do this? Well, let me just give you a little metaphor. Um, we can ask questions with open hands. Uh, if someone comes to you with open hands, that's a certain posture. It indicates a certain uh, reality, not of uh, combativeness, uh, but uh, the idea is to receive. So when we ask God uh, certain things and we seek God out and ask questions, we should do so with open hands as if we were receiving. And I think that's a very good posture. And we can ask these questions before God and ask away. Some of us maybe have questions with a clenched fist. We really just have an agenda. We're trying to fight somebody. We're trying to subvert somebody. We're trying to go after somebody with our questions. So our questions are really more like assertions or even weapons. And those kind of weaponized questions aren't, the, aren't really being asked in faith. Uh, we can ask in such a way that we really don't want any answers. We just want to say something maybe that's in our heart or, or that's something we want to be true, but really are not truly seeking what is true before God or with others. And finally, I think questions can be asked from a broken heart, man. Like, uh, life here under the sun can be difficult. There can be uh, some of the most excruciating and painful realities, confusing realities that we go through. Uh, in life that I believe provoke questions. Why did this happen now? Um, why is this type of thing? Why do, why do people do what they do? And I think questions from a broken heart, I do believe God wants to be present with us. And these types of questions, open hands with hearts ready to receive, uh, really can be places where we really, really grow. And let me just say this as an aside really quick. Um, taking your own questions seriously when you have questions about the faith or about anything really um, is something that puts you in uh, co good company with the rest of the human race, that you don't position yourself as a know-it-all. There's only one know-it-all all right, in the universe. That's God himself. Uh, it's not us. Uh, we always have incomplete knowledge. We always have uh, room to grow. <laughs> Uh, and taking our own questions seriously and bringing them before God and actually seeking answers to our questions actually helps us immensely and strengthens our faith. But not only that, uh, it helps other people, right? When we take other people's questions seriously, when somebody has a real question for you and you listen to it kindly, uh, you think it through, you go maybe read some things uh, to try to seek an answer that might serve someone else, answering questions then becomes an act of love and service to other people. And rather than dismiss the questions that our friends have about the faith or about who Jesus is or what he's done for us or about the gospel, if we go and seek good answers from the scriptures, from good thinkers through various disciplines and study, um, reading things on the internet, if it's a good source with footnotes, right? Um, if we do these things, it can be an act of love to other people. Giving thoughtful answers to folks really can be helpful. There are many people, uh, and some of you out there have been there, where you have questions, and there's a there's a there's an element of intellectual suffering that actually can take place where you just are troubled by certain things until you kick the tires of it and bang it around and go read some things and find some satisfying uh, answers. And being uh, giving thoughtful answers to your friends' questions is a is an immense kindness a kindness to those who might be suffering with something that's plaguing 
their minds. And so questions can be good, man. Ask them with open heart, open mind before God to serve yourself and your own growth and others uh, and to help those who might be suffering intellectually because they've really never had someone give the time uh, to, to think through some important answers to their questions with them. And finally, on, on questions, um, we need to have a healthy skepticism, right, of falsehood, things that simply aren't true or s- things that are simply stated. I can't tell you how much uh, you run across things on like uh, pla- social media platforms like Twitter where people just make an assertion and then everyone chimes in instantly as if being the first people to comment on something makes it uh, some robust, true reality. We have to have a healthy skepticism of the things we see and read and want to see them confirmed. Why? Because our own biases might come into play. Um, Somebody could be lying in the world. There's certainly various uh, slants on the truth that are given by various people through ideology. And to take uh, a healthy skepticism in the world as we sort through it is very helpful. You see this in simple kind of funny ways where people make all kinds of claims about foods. Like if you eat this, you're going to live to be a million or something. Or or if you eat this, it rots your guts out and produces toxins, undefined chemical toxins, or whatever it means. Or you rub this on your skin, it makes you, you know, it's a fountain of youth or something like that. There's all kind of stuff like that that's kind of simple and goofy that we ought to look at and question. I'm not saying you shouldn't do your essential oils. Uh, maybe not overpromise with them. Uh, but we should have a healthy skepticism. Otherwise, we could be deceived. And deception in the scriptures is always is always a form of bond, a bondage. Uh, truth is liberating. Uh, falsehood binds us, right? Binds us to to lies and the father of lies. So we want to have a skepti, a, a healthy skepticism. For instance, if someone would say, you know, billions of years ago the universe uh, exploded into being, I remember looking at that as a as a college student actually and saying, what do we mean by this? that we say that the universe exploded into being. In fact, you look at some of the mathematical things about Big Bang cosmology, uh, there is a point where there was nothing and nothing exploded. Or Is this real? Now, I'm a big fan. I think uh, certain uh, versions of inflationary Big Bang theory are likely true. I do think that the universe is expanding. If you trace it back in time, it goes down to a point of mathematical nothingness. And I do believe something can come out of nothing. Uh, but not uh, metaphysical nothing. Uh, in other words, if there's a God, God can create, right? If there's nothing, nothing cannot explode. Uh, as Aristotle once said years ago, many, many moons ago, nothing is that which rocks dream about. So we need to ask questions. If someone says the universe exploded in being, we ought to push pause on that for our friends and ask them, how does nothing explode? If there's nothing, it's doing no things. Anyway, <laughs> questions can be helpful in the world. Well, a few years ago, when we were planting a church in New Jersey, I did a uh, sermon series that I don't know how well it was understood by the church. Uh, certain people certainly were, were vibing with it. In fact, one of my friends who listened to this podcast, it was instrumental in his coming to faith in Jesus. So shout out to my boy, Ted. Um but it was a series that um, was called Finding God in Our Questions. And in that series, I was trying to make the case that the questions that all of us have, like human beings, we have these questions, that they can be helpful clues, right, to the actual truth about reality if we have the courage 
and the time and the discipline to ask questions. Many, many times, man, we're just checked out. We want to check our phone. We want to play this game. We want to watch this Netflix thing. And we don't pause to ask any deep questions at all. In fact, we have to use questions many times to shake our friends out of this kind of uh, blase nothingness. Uh, that we want to live in sometimes just sit, sit, entertain me, you know, like the, the, the guys on Wally drinking milkshakes with their little entertainment consoles while their bone density and muscle muscle wastes away. We do live in this kind of world. So questions can help provoke us out of this, but questions are a helpful clue to reality. Some of the questions we asked in that series was the you know, first one, what's all this then? You know, if you're a Monty Python fan, you might remember the constable kind of coming in and saying, hello, what's all this then? Uh, what's going on here? When we find ourselves in this immensely beautiful, vast, intricately fashioned universe, we ought to ask questions about it. Why is this here? Uh, why is a mountain provoking be- thoughts of beauty in my heart? Why, when I stand next to the vast ocean or look into the deep reaches of outer space, do I feel small? These things are actually clues to ultimate reality. Another question we ask is, why do mean people suck? This is a popular bumper sticker when I was a kid. Mean people suck. I was like, yeah, I agree with that philosophically. Uh, on its face, mean people do thou sucketh, right? Okay. Um, but, but what does that mean? Um, what does it mean for some human being to be in a condition, right? Mean, cruel, harsh, that is bad like that. And why do we identify it as such? And why are we... Uh, suspicious that the human race is somehow broken in bad shape that is a clue that is a very helpful question um one of the statements that many times people make in our culture is that you know usually to excuse our behavior of some sort right we 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 acknowledge nobody's perfect well what does that mean right what does it mean to say i'm not this well who is perfect is there anyone am i being compared to you know joe or jimmy or or susan down the street Well, I think it's a a really true statement. Nobody is perfect when we're talking about human beings. But it only makes sense, right, if there is somebody that actually is. Well, where do you find that person? Well, certainly we would find in the Scriptures that is part of the definition, uh, God being the one who is perfectly good. Another question I had, you know, just more recently is, you know, why, why, um, Why does every culture seem to have this narrative story of redemption going on? Something's gone wrong in the world. The universe is cracked and broken. Some hero steps onto the stage and rescues everything. Many times I'll ask, uh, uh, I've done this several times speaking at Ivy League schools, um, where there are some well-read folks. Uh, But even then, I'll ask, uh, has anybody heard of Joseph Campbell? Some have, some haven't. Usually philosophy-type people might. Um, but then I follow up that question. If you haven't heard of Joseph Campbell, have you heard of George Lucas? Uh, and if people still haven't heard of George Lucas, I usually follow up with a question of uh, how, how about Luke Skywalker? <laughs> More people usually have heard of Luke Skywalker than Joseph Campbell. But Joseph Campbell was kind of a, a social, sociological anthropologist and did a lot of academic work studying the narratives, myths, and stories of various peoples throughout history and around the world. And some of his works are collected. I'll put in the show show notes. Uh, some of a uh, link to his book on Amazon. But um, some of his work had to do with what he called the hero with many faces. And what he found was there's this kind of meta story, a big story throughout all cultures that kind of followed this kind of archetypal pattern. You know, the world is broken. 
some hero goes off, discovers something about him, him or herself, and comes back to save the day and redeem all things and right the wrongs, right? In fact, it was George Lucas studying this kind of uh, work by Joseph Campbell that led him to create Luke Skywalker and some of the heroes, right, of the... Uh, or Anakin Skywalker, the heroes of this Star Wars franchise. You wonder how various people of various religious backgrounds all find kind of something very significant in the Savior myths uh, that we all love in things like Star Wars. Well, the reason why that, you know, someone who... I actually think Yoda is actually a Buddhist monk. He teaches Buddhism more than anything. But uh, we can all find something in Star Wars because uh, George Lucas created characters to do that that match kind of this meta-mythology that we find in every culture. Now, the interesting question is, okay, all these societies, all these various peoples have these kind of redemption stories. Well, the interesting question is actually, why? Is this some sort of biochemical byproduct, some offspring of evolution of human brains? Or perhaps every culture has this story because it is, in fact, in a significant way, true. That the world is broken, the world does need a rescuer, and a redemption of all things is part of the grand reality of which we live. The why question becomes very interesting. Now, the question for me then is, who is this hero? And certainly, uh, my friends out there, Christian, non-Christian, I would certainly argue that Jesus Christ, God become flesh, is precisely the hero that we all long for and the one we all need. Questions are good to ask. They lead good places. A question I've had recently is, why do 14-year-olds or 16-year-olds date? And I put that in quotes, date, quote-unquote. The reason why is my daughter recently got asked out on a date. And I'm thinking, okay, what's this guy want, right? It's an important question, fathers. Keep doing your push-ups. If you've got daughters, keep your stuff together. You need to have game. Anyway, it was a good uh, family processing and discussion about asking why. Why? do we date and what do we mean by dating and what are we after and what are we doing in this world why not ask why questions are good hopefully they'll help you grow take your questions to the scripture take your questions to friends who love jesus take your questions to others who can help you in your own growth in your own story find sturdy answers for souls that can be built up in the faith and be useful to god to others who have questions about him in this world. After all, Jesus is the one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me, is what Jesus said. He also said that the Word, God's Word, your Word is truth, and we can have a relationship with the one that is the truth. And if we follow him, if we hold to his teaching, here's what he taught us. If you hold to my teaching, we are truly his disciples, and then we will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's in John chapter 8, verse 32. And if you've heard that phrase, the truth will set you free in some other context, you need to know who it came from. It came from Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen one. Well, to close out today, I want to do one other segment that we do from time to time here on the underground, um, just because it, it teaches a couple principles. This is our reviewish segment where we talk, uh, as my daughter sings for us in this uh, wonderful little ditty we recorded, who talks books and tech and movies and things, things we love in the world that we want to share with others. This is a great principle. If you love something, you want others to know about it, right? If you love something, it's not hard, right? It's not hard to talk about. And I'm going to get to talk to you today, right now, 
about some things that have been a blessing to me. A lot of my work now I, I do is I travel in various places uh, to university campuses, to churches, to do training for various Christians um, in various subjects. I do retreats. I do all kinds of things on the road. And so a friend of mine uh, told me, hey, man, don't mess around when you get things to travel because it can be exhausting. It can be tiring. You're traveling all day. You want to roll through the airport nice. Well, anyway, Last year, I got exposed. I think there was a podcast advertisement or something. Or I saw it online. A company called Away Travel. That's just A-W-A-Y. Away Travel. AwayTravel.com. I'll put it in the show notes. And I bought one of their uh, carry-on bags. Well, I bought it because I'm kind of a nerd, and it had like one of these batteries in it, so you could charge your phone. You can just roll through the airport charging your stuff. You don't have to put your USB cable in your phone into some strange socket that Lord knows. I'm thinking, man, what if the Russians put some code behind these USB ports and hack everybody's phone? You know, I've seen God's eye in the movies. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, uh, I was like, well, I'm going to charge with my own battery. And so uh, this uh, this company was started by two women in New York City. Um, and it's just been a fantastic bag and a delight to deal with. If you travel a lot, you know that recent ch- uh, changes uh, in the airline industry said that you can no longer have lithium-ion batteries uh, underneath the plane. You have to be able to pull them out. And so uh, this company, uh, one of the best customer service operations I've been exposed to, basically uh, replaced the whole battery mechanism so it can spring in and out. Pop, you can pop your battery out and, and roll in it. But it's it's made of, uh, they have aluminum ones now, but the one I have is made of this polycarbonate. It's slightly flexible, hard shell. The wheels, smooth as glass, man, rolling out. Uh, the packing stuff inside, super tight, great, greatly designed. And so I just love this bag. And in fact, when I was exchanging the battery module uh, to the ones that pop out easily, so when you get on the plane, if you have to gate check it, you just throw that thing uh, in your backpack. Um, I noticed there was a small crack in a little piece. This bag has a lifetime warranty. And I, I took a picture of it. It wasn't really broken. It was just a little crack in a little piece of plastic. Uh, and they said, yeah, that piece cannot be replaced. So guess what? We're going to replace your whole bag. And not only did they do that, they replaced the whole bag in a new color they had that is called Sky Blue. And everyone knows that Sky Blue is just code name for Carolina Blue. Michael Jordan, Carolina Blue, best basketball player of all times, slightly above LeBron James. Carolina Blue Bag. AwayTravel.com. Check it out. And on top of that uh, bag, as I roll through the airport, you know, I, over the years, I love backpacks. You know, so I can't get one that I like perfectly because I like to stick all my widgets, gadgets, cables, and everything, your, your laptops, your iPads, all that kind of stuff as you travel. Well, I found a bag I like from a company called eBags. That's just the letter E in the word bags, eBags.com. And it was called the Slim Professional Backpack. And I ended up getting the Slim Junior Professional Backpack. This bag is awesome. Keeps your laptop in ship shape. Packs it all in tight, very small. Slips on top of your way travel. Carry on bag and rolls out. So if you like uh, good backpacks that have lots of uh, places you can put uh, technological type things, um, little sleeves for all kinds of devices and things, check out the e-bags. They're not the cheapest, but not the most expensive. And I've learned, man, you buy bags for travel, you know, go get it at Walmart, Target or something. Uh, you might think you got a good deal until that joint is ripped up and, and ragged. You know what I'm saying? These two bags have been fantastic. They travel with me. Rather, that's a two thumbs up on reviewish from me. Well, thank you for joining us today. This is an abbreviated episode. We're going to be back in the next couple of weeks talking about several topics. We've been kicking around this uh, subject of doing a, doing a podcast on woke, uh, too woke or broke. We talk about wokeness, uh, racial relations, 
uh, within the Christian community and in broader culture, uh, and just some things that we've observed in that conversation as we've certainly been uh, trying to engage with our brothers and sisters well uh, and to make real and lasting and just changes uh, amongst our personal relationship and societal and structural relationships. And it even gets into a little political discussion at times, but it is worth it because we need to be woke. Can you be too woke? Is that a question? And certainly we don't want to be broke in our ignorance about things that God cares about. Mainly one another. People made in the image of God most valuable things on the earth. Well, thank you for joining us today uh, on the Gospel Underground. We do take reviews. We, we actually have a few now on iTunes. Five stars are acceptable. Anything less, just call me. We'll fix that. Get it all sorted out for you. Now, honest reviews on uh, the Gospel Underground podcast on iTunes are appreciated. We want to give thanks to Sugar and High Lows, as always, for allowing us to license the song. See it for yourself as our theme song. The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the global worldwide Bonhoeffer House. Send your comments, feedback, or questions that you might want us to take up here on the Underground to info at gospelunderground.org. Or if you just want to send an encouraging note, please do. We are a dialogue taking place on the borderlands between the church and culture. We hope you see you out there. Peace. <laughs>